Isaiah 58, 9 through 14 was read here this morning. And I'm going to, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Isaiah 58, actually Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you had a bank that credited your account each morning with $86,000, that would be great, wouldn't it be it? $86,000 in your bank account that carried over no balance though from day to day and allowed you to keep no cash in your account and every evening it would cancel part, whatever part of the amount you failed to use during the day what would you do knowing that those were the rules I guess you'd draw out every penny every day and use it to your advantage well, in fact, we have such a bank, and it's called time. Every morning, every morning, you are credited with 86,400 seconds. Every night, it rolls off as lost whatever of this you failed to use and to invest to good purpose. It carries over no balances. It allows no overdrafts. Each day it opens a new account with you. If you fail to use this day's deposits, the loss is totally yours. There is no going back, and there is no drawing against tomorrow. Yes, time is a very precious commodity. And we seem not to have time to accomplish all we want. And yet, we are taught to set aside one day a week, a whole day, for a special time with God. The days and the hours of the week may not be enough to do all you have to do, but still, we set aside one day for this special time with God. But while the majority of Christians keep the first day of the week, some Christians, including Seventh-day Adventists, observe the seventh day Sabbath. So I have a question for us all. What is then the origin of the Sabbath? And as we go through this study this morning, I know this may not be news for some of you, because some of you may have been born in the church. May, some of you may, may have been in the Adventist church for years and years. And all of you at some point were exposed to the message of the Seventh-day Sabbath. But still, if you've known this for a while, this will reinforce your knowledge and your beliefs. And if this is new to you, we'll have a chance to, to understand it for the first time. What is the origin of the Sabbath? Why is it that we, 
we worship God, we keep the Sabbath, the seventh day of the month, the seventh day of the week. It's interesting to notice that for every unit of time that I'm going to talk about here, there is an astronomical reference. There is something related to the, to the stars and to the, to the astronomy of the world that is, is used as a reference. For example, for the day, we have as the astronomical reference the time of the rotation of the earth. So how long the earth takes to, to complete a full rotation is the day we have. For the month, we have the lunar cycles. And for the year, we have the time that the planet earth takes to revolve around the sun. To make a full revolution around the sun. That's a year. But for the week, and consequently for the Sabbath, there is no astronomical reason. The seventh day of the week is technically just equal to the sixth day and to the first day and to any other day of the week. There is nothing that really differentiates, there's nothing that really marks the end of one cycle of seven days. So as Christians, we affirm, we affirm then that the weekly cycle exists as we know it because of creation. Because of creation. So the Sabbath as well exists because of creation. It was instituted by God at the end of the creation week. This is how we believe it. This is what the Bible says. If you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3, we'll see the description of the institution of the Sabbath. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Now, some people may not believe the Bible. That's another question. That's another issue. And today we are not studying here why we believe the Bible. But since we believe the Bible, the Bible says clearly in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God had created and made. So the Sabbath was instituted by God right there at the end of, of the week of creation. Now, the Bible says that God rested on the seventh day. Does God tire? Does He ever tire? No. So we must understand one, one thing, very important thing here. That in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew root for the word Sabbath is, uh, would be transliterated as S-B-T. But it's pronounced Shabbat. Right? Shabbat. So it's the same root for the words rest and to cease, stop working, and to rest and to finish your work. To stop, to to refrain from doing work. So it's the same word. So every time you see in the Old Testament references to rest, to stop working, the word is the same as Sabbath. It's Shabbat. So Sabbath in English comes from this Hebrew word. So we must understand that much of what, of what God did 
in the week of creation, and much of what God did on that very first Sabbath had to do with man and not with him necessarily. So the Sabbath is a special time that was instituted for all humanity, not only for the Jews, because at the seventh day of the first week, there was no Jew Jewish nation. So the Sabbath is a period of time which is something that is available to every human being across the earth. So every human being that has ever lived or will ever live has access to this special period of time, this 24-hour period of time at the end of every week. So how, do we, can, how can we find the biblical theology for the Sabbath in the Old Testament? Throughout the Old Testament, the, the Sabbath is made clear that it is the seventh day of the week and is the day that God separated for rest. If you open your Bibles to Exodus 20, verses 11 to 8 through 11, Exodus 28 through 11, you will see that God was given through Moses the Ten Commandments to the people. And the fourth commandment of God's moral law clearly states the following. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. So God was not creating the Sabbath right here. He was saying remember first because he knew that we might forget about it. But second and most importantly as well because the Sabbath had already been instituted. So he's saying remember. Remember the day I set aside there at the week of creation. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son or thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the Sabbath has been instituted for humankind all across the board, all across all cultures, not for the Jews only. Even the prophet Isaiah says that the Sabbath will still be kept throughout eternity. Isaiah 66, 23. Isaiah 66, 23 says, And it shall come to pass, that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So there was never actually a question, neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether the Jews kept or not the Sabbath. They did. The question that has arisen more recently in the Christian church is whether or not Christians should keep the Sabbath. However, as we have seen, the Sabbath has been established and instituted for all humankind. It is a universal Sabbath throughout, throughout the ages. Now, if we move to the New Testament, and let's see how the Sabbath appears in the New Testament. The New Testament, you know, was written in Greek. So the word for Sabbath in the New Testament is Sabbaton. Not too far from the Hebrew and not too far from the English. There are 68 
references, 68 times the word Sabbatan, Sabbath, appears in the New Testament. And we see in the New Testament that Jesus kept the Sabbath. That the disciples kept the Sabbath. That even those who were not Jesus' disciples kept the Sabbath. Mark 1.21 Mark 1.21 shows us clearly that yes, Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. They then went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. So Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus used to go to the synagogue and to keep the Sabbath along with the other Christians and Jews. And again in Mark chapter 6 verse 2, Mark chapter 6 verse 2, we read, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus never denied the authenticity of the seventh day Sabbath. Same thing with the apostles. You can go throughout the Gospels and then the book of Acts and the epistles of Paul. And you see that they still kept the Sabbath. Turn your Bibles for example to Acts. Acts chapter, thir chapter 13 and verse 14. Acts 13, 14. And we see... When they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. Further down in verse 42, we read, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And what happened? Verse 44, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And still in Acts 17 verse 2, we see Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. So all the way from Genesis to Revelation, all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is no question about it. Adam and Eve kept the Sabbath. Moses and the people of Israel kept the Sabbath. The Old Testament prophets did the same. Christ and the apostles kept the Sabbath. Jesus even said that He was the Lord of the Sabbath. And the book of Revelation is saturated of expressions and references to the Old Testament. And talking about the Old Testament where the Sabbath was instituted. For example, the message of the first angel of Revelation 14 says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. It's, it's language drawn for Genesis. And in Revelation 12, 17 and Revelation 14, 12, God's principles and commandments are affirmed throughout the book of Revelation and throughout the Bible. Now one might ask, 
Okay, it's clear that in the Bible, the seventh day is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week. But has the Sabbath ever been lost? Has the Sabbath through history ever been lost? Have people ever lost a, a track of the counting of the week and of the Sabbath of the seventh day of the week? This has never happened. There is no record in history that points to this. Actually, a Jewish rabbi from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, Rabbi Isaac Wise, he's, he's uh, passed away now, but he lived in the, the, at the end of the 19th century. He said, there is no time in authentic history that was not covered by Jewish tradition. So listen to this. This is a Jewish rabbi speaking. So anybody arguing against a fact or perception of tradition has to prove it. That is, that the said perception or tradition is false. In this case, he who maintains it that the Sabbath was lost, right? That's what he's talking about. He who maintains it must prove when and where the Jews forgot the order of the days or computation of time. The Jews had no names for the days of the week, and they called them first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then Sabbath. If they had forgotten to count in any one locality where they were dispersed, some would have done it at another locality. And a dispute among themselves about the right Sabbath must have occurred. But history chronicles no such dissension. Then, again and again, the Sabbath was counted week after week. So how could they have forgotten the Sabbath? So there is no record in history. And he ends up actually saying, persons who maintain it are maintaining an absurdity. There is no record in history that the Sabbath has been lost. Now some people may refer to the time, you remember when the Gregorian calendar was adopted by nations in Europe uh, in lieu of replacing the Julian calendar. So when that happened, uh, the Gregorian calendar was adopted on October 4th. Actually, October 4th, 1582 was a Thursday. Okay, so... Listen to this, October 4th, 1582 was a Thursday. That day they said, we are now adopting the Gregorian calendar in place of the Julian calendar. So this change was made, and I won't get into this, but this change was made because the, the annual cycle was getting shorter, shorter and shorter. It was not coinciding with the solar year. So the civil year was not coinciding precisely with the solar year. And there was a difference. Years were getting shorter and shorter in relation to the solar year. So they said, we're going to change the calendar. And we're going to drop 11 days for this to happen. So October 5th through October 14 of 1582 does not exist in the Gregorian calendar. If you look, uh, if you look it up in the internet and say, what happened on October 10th? 1582 there is no there is no history event on that day because in our calendar here those dates did not exist are you following me so october 4th 1582 was the last day in that calendar and we jumped to october 15 1582 so one might say well right there you have 11 days that were dropped 
Eleven days is longer than a week and is not a seven-day period exactly. So the Sabbath must have been lost there. No, it has not. Because October 4th, 1582 was a Thursday. And October 15th, 1582 was the next day, a Friday. So the weekly cycle was never lost. The date changed, but the weekly cycle was never lost. So we had Thursday, Friday, and they, then came the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, as God has said in the Bible, is a sign, is a perpetual covenant. And nothing, nothing in history has ever changed that. If you turn your Bibles to Exodus 31, verse 13. Exodus 31, 13. You see what God is saying about His Sabbath. And he says, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who has sanctified you. So the Sabbath is a sign. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is very, very important as we come to the end of time. The, sign, the Sabbath is God's sign between Him and His people. Verse 16 in the same chapter of Exodus 31, verse 16 says, Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. So it is to be kept in perpetuity. It will never change. It is God's covenant between Him and his people. And still in verse 17 it says. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So the Sabbath is a sign between God and his people. The Sabbath is a perpetual covenant. And the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. Now, many people may ask today, and again, I'll say it is clear from Scripture that the seventh day is the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is the seventh day. But some people may ask, okay, pastor, but how do we keep the Sabbath? There is, there is confusion out there, right? Some people think that we should refrain from doing this, and some people think that something else is, is, uh, is proper, is appropriate for the Sabbath. How should we keep the Sabbath? Well, one thing I should say up front before I go, uh, we'll go to Scripture to check that out. But before I do that, I should say one thing. If I were to prepare you a list of do's and don'ts, if I were to prepare you a list of cans and can'ts, uh, we would spend the rest of our, of our days doing this, right? Because we come from different households, each one has different activities, so we can't really cover every single step you do. But there is biblical teaching about this, and that's what we're going to see. That's biblical reference for this. So let's turn back to Exodus. Because as we've seen in Genesis and Exodus, the, the basic theology of the Sabbath is established. The Sabbath is instituted, and its theology is taught to the people of God. So Exodus 16, 23. Exodus 16:23. I know today it's looking very much like a Bible study, and I'm taking you all over 
the place in the Bible. But isn't this a blessing? It is. So, Exodus 16.23. And here is what the Bible says. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake all what? Bake what you will, sorry, bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil today and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So Jesus is teaching the people of Israel here to bake all they had to bake on the sixth day and to boil all they had to boil on the seventh day. So there is counsel here that we should avoid baking and boiling on the Sabbath. Exodus 34 21 God is saying here six days you shall work but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest time you shall rest so plowing and harvesting and tilling the earth those things should be avoided on the Sabbath God is instructing him that whether it's plowing time or harvest time, you should do no work on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.3. Exodus 35.3. God is instructing the people not to kindle fire on the Sabbath. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So kindling fire on the Sabbath, God is instructing them not to do that as well. So please, please stay with me, okay, before, before you jump into any conclusions. Please stay with me. We should take the Bible uh, in its plain, simple language, but we also must have wisdom that the Spirit gives us. So God is instructing the people here not to kindle fire on the Sabbath. Numbers 15.32. Numbers 15.32. Numbers 15.32 says, Now... While the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And actually, if you go, uh, go over the next, the following verses, you see that the people came back to Moses and asked, What are we going to do with this man? He was gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And Moses consulted with the Lord, and that man was put to death according to the, to the instruction from the Lord. So, gathering sticks, preparing wood... Is not, uh, is not God's counsel that we do that on the Sabbath. Now, we must have uh, discernment, right? So the principle here contained is this, that anything, anything that is commonplace, anything that, any of those everyday things that we do and that can be avoided should be avoided on the Sabbath. So if you can, if you can prepare for the Sabbath and God gives you the time for that, God gives you six days to prepare for the Sabbath. So do it. Do it. That's what the Lord is instructing us to do. Now think about this. Some people may think, whoa, but kindling, kindle a fire. I do understand, right? We do have uh, wisdom from God. We do understand that uh, gathering sticks and, and lighting a fire and kindling a fire in those times, watch a much more uh, laborious uh, job than it is today. Today, if you want to kindle a fire in your stove, you just have to, to turn a knob, and right there you have fire, or you have uh, heat anyways, right? So 
But the, the, if I were to say, okay, I, I should never kindle any fire on the Sabbath, I should never turn my knob on the Sabbath, and, and I want to eat everything raw, for example, and I'm not going to gather sticks for that, I'm going to peel, on the other hand, all my vegetables, and I'm going to do this and chop them off and do that and do that and do that, and all of a sudden to prepare that, that raw food for all my family, I'm taking two hours on the Sabbath to do that. But I never kindled a fire. So God, is, God asks us to have discernment as well. So everything that can be done ahead of time should be done. So we can free up the Sabbath from those everyday things. And we can enjoy our fellowship with the Lord. And why do I say we must have discernment? Because open your Bibles to Leviticus 24.4. Leviticus 24.4. The Levites were expected to do what? On the Sabbath. They were expected to look after what? The lamps. They were expected to look after the lamps and the candlesticks, the lampstands. Lamp and they were supposed to keep them lighted, lit. Sorry, they were supposed to keep them lit to keep the fire going there in the lamps and the lampstands. And, and this on the Sabbath as well. If you go uh, to verse 8 now, Leviticus 24, 8. Every Sabbath, talking about the priest, right? Every Sabbath, the Levite, he shall set it in order. Talking about the showbread. Shall set it in order before the Lord continually. Being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. So on the Sabbath, the Levites were also supposed to take care of the, the, the priest supposed to, to place the bread in order, to set them in order on the Sabbath. So, uh, Numbers 28 now, Numbers 28, verse 9. Numbers 28, 9. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot. And two-tenth deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil and the drink offering thereof. So on the Sabbath, the priests were expected to take in additional sacrifices. Something that would be added on top of the regular sacrifice. So this was also accepted on the Sabbath. So what's the principle that we draw from all these passages in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, what we learn from that? That God clearly allowed for any activities necessary to the temple service. Anything that is necessary and related to our religious experience on the Sabbath, God would allow. But everything else that could be avoided should be avoided. That's why we are encouraged to bring even the flowers to the church on, on the sixth day of the week. In preparation for the Sabbath. Because that could be very well done. Rather than spending time on the Sabbath to go out and, and look for flowers and bring them in and set them up. And set them in order. So all those activities that demand excessive time, effort and anxiety must be avoided. Even when it's related to the church work. And we may get very well entangled with the church work. And use up too many hours for the service itself and not really have a special communion with God. 
So I'm going to finish now with something that some people may be questioning or asking in their minds as well. Because Isaiah talks here about finding the light on the Sabbath. And not looking uh, at your own, not finding your own pleasure. So what is my own pleasure on the Sabbath? And what is the kind of the light that God uh, wants me to have on the Sabbath? How do, I, how do I trace the line? How do I separate those things? Well, from the Bible text, Isaiah says in Isaiah 15, 58, 13, and 14, we're going back now to a scripture reading. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. So Isaiah is talking here of anything that is my own pleasure, anything that I do for my pleasure. Anything that I do maybe just for fun, for the fun of it. Because I, ha I want to have a good time. But rather than doing that, if you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord. And you shall honor Him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So how can you find the light in the Sabbath? Avoiding things that give you pleasure. Again, I say I can't really, I can't really draw, uh, draft a list here of everything possible. But you can in your, in your walk with God. Ask yourself, Lord, am I doing this? Ask yourself, am I doing this just for the pleasure of it? Just because I want to have fun? Or am I doing this because I am contemplating the mercy of the Lord, His power as my Creator, and because He, uh, he is my Savior and I have a future reserved for me? Am I delighting in those things during the Sabbath? Now, I'm not saying that. You should spend the whole 24 hours of the Sabbath talking only about Bible texts or only about those things. But in a way, you should use the Sabbath to draw you closer to God and to help you have the light in the Lord. You see Jesus on the Sabbath. He would teach. He would go out and heal people. And, and he was not uh, in his closed room just reading the Bible and praying. He was not 24 hours a day doing that. He would go out, but he would go out and reach out to people and heal them and bless them. So why not use the Sabbath for that? When you're in, in, in doubt, when you're not sure whether an activity is appropriate or not, use your time to help people. Use your time in the Sabbath to bless other people. You come home every week, every day of the week so tired that you don't have time to your children. Help your children enjoy the Sabbath. Help them look at the Sabbath as a pleasing, a pleasing time, a family time. And not have them look at the clock and ask, what time is sunset? Because it's so boring. So make the Sabbath special. You come home tired during the week. You don't really have patience with your children. Set the Sabbath aside for this. Spend three, four hours if you can with your children and make them feel happy. Spend time with your, with your relatives who are not Christian. We're not members of the church. Spend time with them. Make them feel valued. Maybe make them feel important that day. And in the course of the conversation, 
God will give you the wisdom and the words to talk about spiritual things as well. And if not, if the opportunity doesn't come, at least you've shown appreciation, you've shown love to them. And that's a very good use of the Sabbath time. Does that make sense? So, whenever in, in doubt, whenever you're not sure, ask yourself and say, Lord, help me use these hours for my delight, for the benefit of others, for the benefit of your cause, for the benefit of the church. And doing this, the Sabbath will be a blessing for you and for your family. You know, I heard a professor once say this. Some people want to keep the Sabbath so holy. And this is the commandment. Please don't take me wrong. I'm not preaching a heresy here. But some people want to keep the Sabbath so holy. That they make the Sabbath a burden for others. For them it's alright. That's how they want to keep the Sabbath. But they, they become a burden for others. So the Sabbath is going to be a blessing for them only. Because for the rest of the family and the, the, the friends, it's going to be a curse. They will never have a good impression of the Sabbath. So please, let the, work, let the Lord work in your hearts. Let's be faithful to God's commandment. But let's use the Sabbath hours for what it has been planned. For what God's purpose is. And then we'll find the light in the Lord. May God bless you all.